the Jermaine Jones thing. And the, the dog thing was, it made so much sense. Oh, so it gives great. you a perspective of George Morris's worldview too. You know, it's it's more about it's not about his career; it's just about being comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sort of happy where he's at. Yep. He doesn't think about world soccer or major league soccer the way we do or the fans do. No. He's like, well, I, I got a dog, and Seattle wants to sign me, so. He's comfortable. You know, He's me, very comfortable. Meanwhile, AO's, you know, American Outlaws are like, you're the next one. <laughs> <laughs> you're the next Messi. He, I think, like, the other part of it that is amazing to me is that he was identified by Klinsman. Yeah. As someone who could play on the national team when he was in college. And so clearly you have a... a a national team coach, national team technical director, who is um, who has identified a player, a young player, as someone who can do well for the national team. And when Klinsman would say, I'm looking for talent everywhere, he meant it. He wasn't just saying MLS, right? He was saying... Well, like, he pulled up two players from, from Minnesota United when they were in NASL. Yeah. And then you see what happens after that. Like, he leaves, and then you you have basically Mr. MLS yeah. come in, step in, and, yeah, he's not bringing all of his players from MLS, but he's also kind of discounting the fact that these other players are trying to do other things. Well, it and looked that, like he was trying to, yeah, and he didn't want to scout outside of it, did he, it was almost like he relied on Major League Soccer teams to be finding the best talent. Yes. Instead of actually looking for it like Clemson was. And, and the, Clemson what, did find Jordan Morris and Ramirez and... and uh, geez, oh, yeah. I'll think of it. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone now because yeah. of, you know, what happened. But um, he and just... Morris, he, right? He, uh, he took it back to 2006. Mm-hmm. Which you saw Perfectly. a number of people uh, noticing that very quickly. Yeah. Um, of course, they qualified in 2006. So, but. Do you remember how they qualified? <laughs> Do you remember 2006 very well? Didn't they come in first that year? Okay, they they did well in qualification. Yeah. Then they got into the tournament, and they ended up going through one one win, one loss, one draw. Yeah. And. Then beat Mexico 2 0 in the. Well, that was 2002. Or 2002, right? Yeah, no, that, that's the year everybody points to is 2002, right. and it drives me nuts. Okay, so you're, ta- oh, you're talking about 2006 then? Well, I was I would say 2006, that was a disaster actually, 2006. Right. But 2002 was the one that everybody holds up as, <laughs> yes. as the best one, but they got lucky. Yes. And, and especially getting Mexico. But, um, so that was, that was, yeah. Okay, so I was confused. I thought you were talking about, okay, so we're talking about 2006, but in 2002, I remember hearing, um, reading this weekend, like I said, I was reading a lot of stuff. I actually read a comment, and at this point, I had to shut my laptop and kind of like (laughs) set it aside. They said, you know, Bruce Arena, and I think it was, I don't know if it was Brian Strauss, or, (laughs) yeah. Did you read his rambling 
like meandering thing after they didn't qualify. That was ridiculous. It was it was amazingly insane. bad. It was it's, insane. That's what I'm thinking. It might have been him who wrote this. Okay. He wrote this, but it it, it may have it may have been Grant Wall. I can't remember. But someone wrote that Bruce Arena had seen the highest of highs <laughs> in 2002. Yeah. And the lowest of lows, which would have been last Tuesday night. Yeah. The highest of highs, let's just get this straight, <laughs> is making the quarterfinals in a World Cup, playing 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Yeah. <laughs> and then and playing, beating Mexico. And then beating a pretty <laughs> poor Mexico, Mexico team. <laughs> CONCACAF team. Um, playing yeah. when, it, I mean, the, the other thing about that tournament was in, in 2002 that people probably forget, or listeners, if they were even watching at that time. Mm-hmm. Was the ridiculous hours for everyone because of where it was being played? Yeah, at, like for European players, it was like they were playing like at two a.m. For yep. U.S. players, it was like five a.m. Yeah, it so the circadian everything. It was like a dream. I remember watching it. I was in Raleigh, and it really was like a dream. They would open up one of these chain Irish bars, kind of like they have here over in the Brew District, and like Cladall or whatever. Mm-hmm. They'd open it up at three a.m. or or five a.m. whenever the games were, and I remember at the time I was—I didn't even think much of the U.S. team. It was just going, and I had a buddy who was a big U.S. fan, and it was like a dream. And even watching the players, it just wasn't all the way there. It, it seemed, seemed like a very exhibitiony kind uh-huh. of World Cup. It seemed very strange. Yeah, and I remember thinking, as compared to. Like Germany in 2006, which yeah. was intense. That was a lot of fun. And it seemed to me like, I guess that's, you know, that's one of what I think about 2006 was like how good that World Cup was all across the board. Yeah. And how much better everyone seemed compared to the United States. But that it was good that we were there. Yeah. Um, 2010, I felt like we had a better shot. And that was mostly because I felt like most of the teams weren't as good. As they were in 2006. I yeah. could be wrong about that. I think that's a complete... I just... The way that the teams played to me in 2006 seemed like they were better. And I think that might have just been because I was such a... I was... I wasn't a well, fan I, I think of the, Italy, I, I think the environment has a lot to do with it. That's It true. wasn't exotic. It wasn't um, anything like that. It yeah. was It was in a hardcore soccer, like a very solid soccer nation. Mm-hmm. And the, the one in a Brazil, it's, it's a soccer cultured right. but it's exotic yes you know and you know england going down there's you know it's if you look at world cup history any any of the tournaments that are played in south america it's it's an exotic thing that the players do mm-hmm. oh you know well in the early days it's like getting on a boat or a ship yeah. oh yeah we're going to They're going to another planet yeah and so it but when it's played in europe you know yeah. if it's in france or germany it's more of like a hardcore kind of you know, this is a real tournament. That's yeah. what 2006 felt like. Wow, that's a really good way to put it. It's a, it's like a real tournament. Yeah. And I suppose that's why I like watching the Euros so much. Yeah, the Euros are intense. Right. Even the qualification stuff is, is intense. Yeah. And then, you know, I think about, even this past Euro, um, it was in France, of course, and they had labor strife and political yeah. things going on and all this craziness. and But still games went on it seemed like an actual soccer culture and when you get to what i think the i I really feel like this is the major problem with 
what we have here in this country is, and I suppose we're recording this, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, think, I hope. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could, we should get into <laughs> what's going on in Columbus. Yeah. Um, I'll probably put the Columbus stuff. Just to let them know. I'll probably put that at the beginning and then we can go. Okay. You know, we'll switch it up. Okay. Because everybody wants to go to Columbus stuff. Right. right. I, I think that, I think this is the major problem with everything that's going on. And to have this happen, to have what has been called the foundational team of the league, the domestic yeah. league, decide. First club in MLS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first club in MLS. Club. It's the first club in MLS. I always think of the, the coffee talk lady. The first club in MLS was it's neither a first nor a club. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> but the, um, I, you know, this is about having a culture, like an actual soccer culture. Yeah. And, you know, I hear these people talk about, it's so obvious. It's like, you're getting punched in the face with someone saying it's promotion relegation, it's single entity, it's promotion relegation, yeah. it's single entity, over and over and over again. And yet there's still people who will say that that's not true. Yeah. And it's just true. It's and it, and it happens every single time you turn on the television to watch any soccer game around the world. You can see the difference between a team that is has a tie to its city, to its location, yeah. to its nation... And a team that doesn't. And the closest that you come in the United States is is Cascadia. Yeah. It's Portland and Seattle. You can argue... That, and there's reasons for that, too. Yeah. I mean... It, People make know. fun of the fact that, the, like, oh, it started in 1974. Well, yeah, it did start in 1974. Yeah. The team might not be the same, the, the, the actual people running it, but the, the culture of the city... Yeah. Did start in 1974, and they should be proud of that. And it, yeah, and they, because it makes a difference. It does, and that's why there's fans there. And mm -hmm. you know, uh, Anthony Precourt, and you know, I, we'll get into the, him more. But he, he wanted. He keeps talking about you know, trying to excuse away or legitimize you know his level and the MLS market. So he compares himself, right. him and Lockman compare themselves to other mid-market, uh, smaller towns, instead of just lumping all the teams together. We'll, we'll never be able to catch the Red Bulls. Why not? They Only half the stadium's full most of the time. Yeah. And but you're any, in a league with them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but so it's almost like he's excusing away. But anyway, he's like, he's like, well, I compare myself to Portland, uh, the Portlands and Kansas Cities and stuff like that. And, um, uh, Kansas City is an exception, and we've talked about it before, but the, the way they did their, their revamp in stadium. Mm -hmm. But with Portland, you're absolutely right. They had a history before Major League Soccer. Right. The, the roots go a little bit deeper. And the, the, the fans there know that as well because of their parents and things like that. And, and But that's it, it's that simple fact seems to be lost on pre-court. He's comparing himself to something he can't get close to. And the hunts by comparison look like, I told somebody this on Twitter today, they look like saints yeah. compared to pre-court. But they weren't. Okay? <laughs> no, they, weren't. they were not. And if the hunts had handled it differently, if, <clears throat> you know, ifs and buts, but, you know, maybe Columbus by now would have had some sort of better 
culture or connection to the community, but the, they handled it the way they, they handled it out of necessity or whatever it was. But um, the comparison to Portland is it's an impossible comparison. You know, what he's making there, it just can't, um, he can't achieve that. No. All right. Okay. I don't know if you guys are hey. podcasting. What's happening? Yeah. Want to go say hi? This isn't happening, Dale. We're not here. It's just a bad dream. Oh, I agree completely. Why, we'll wake up any minute in Dark Harbor and have a laugh about all this. Like, he doesn't even know the history of the teams he's comparing himself to. Like, he, he himself has convinced himself that Portland just magically appeared. Right. Uh, what was that? I don't mean, I can't. It's been a while now. Two thousand thirteen or yeah. twelve. But the the history of the team goes back much further, and you know. Yeah. So there's a, there's a foundation there, and. But he just thinks they popped up and they're new. Did you see the quotes today where he wants to go to Austin because, it's new, you know basically. Right. Like, he can't think beyond a few years, you know. Right. Well, what happens after a few years? It's, it's the same thing with Atlanta or mm -hmm. Orlando. Minnesota has happened very quickly, where it's like, it's yeah. excitement, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and Austin doesn't strike me as a place, and um, I don't know if we want to talk about that now, but even where there's any excitement, like, they're not even on any expansion list. They don't, they're not like Cincinnati. They're not blowing attendance out of the water or anything like that. It feels like he just wants to live in Austin. Yeah. Like, he likes... Austin's a cool town. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. like, he's he's our age, essentially. Yeah. And I remember Austin's stories on MTV and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know, we're talking 90s here, but... Yep. You know, it seems like he's been to Austin a couple times, South by Southwest, and he's like, this is a really cool town. Yep. I want to put a team here. And the, the mayor of the town, like, yesterday and today was like, uh, we appreciate... That they want to bring a team here. That's great. <laughs> it really doesn't matter to them. And, like, you're so right. He wants to be there because it seems cool to him. And yeah. the... But it also, I, I think it's... I think it's part of... And this is where I... Okay, I'm probably going to lose a lot of people on this. Look, <laughs> pre-court is a snake. Yeah, uh, oh, I saw he, that come up a lot today. It's a really good description. Yeah, he's a snake, doing. and I've known he was. I've, I'm sure that the two of us, we've, so we've had a bit of a history on other avenues, yeah. <laughs> venues. Um, I've met Precourt, I think, five times, and I just met him that one time when he was on the show. Well, the first time I met him was right after he bought the team, and he, he did his rounds. Yeah. He and he grabbed Frankie Hayduk and his business guy, who I can't think of his name. Greeley? Greeley. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. Greeley, I think. And they walked around, they went around to each of the supporter bars. Yeah. And bought beer. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. For, for, the, for the fans. Which at that point you should have realized something's wrong with this guy. <laughs> yeah. So... The very first conversation that I had with him was at Hendox. It was where the Hudson Street hooligans were, were yeah. meeting him. And um, I was coming from, a, like, a, I was freelance working at the time, so I was coming from a work, from a job. And um, my sister went with me. She's been a crew fan for a long, long, long time. Um, and we met him. 
I didn't take up too much of his time, but I said one thing to him, and that was that you're going to be, paraphrasing myself, you're going to be um, approached by people who want you to, to look at other parts of Columbus. And it's like, there's a lot of other parts of Columbus where you can put a team, the stadium or something like that. It's like, but the place where it's at right now is perfect. Yeah. And you have an opportunity to make that, basically make that part of the city something unique, something like Wrigley Stadium, yeah. except for soccer in the United States. You have this opportunity there. It's all there for you. And there's really not much in the way of that. I mean, you, there's a lot of people who are like, well, you know, he's constricted by terms with the um, state of Ohio, mm-hmm. or the fair board, things like that. Okay, that's true. But you do own the stadium. There are things that you can do to make the stadium better. Yeah. There are things that you can do to make areas around the stadium better, yeah. not necessarily on fairground property, but around it. And, you know, with the, I think about Indianola Avenue, which goes by mm-hmm. near there. Indianola Avenue has completely changed in the last five years, completely. It's now, it used to be a four lane plus a turning lane yeah. road. Now it's two lanes plus a bike lane. Yeah. Bike lanes popped up all over Columbus. This is a city that's kind of grown to a point where it wants to be more urban and more yeah. millennial. This word's going to come up a few times in yeah. this. And and more yuppie, um, hipster, yeah. urban. Yeah, I see that in the village. I mean, it, yes. it, it's happening. Yeah. And right there, you had a perfect spot for it. Now, um, the second time that I met him was a few couple, a couple weeks later. And it was around the time of um, when we did the Dos Cicero 2013 banners, and they were a huge hit, just like I knew they were going to be. And I knew that that was going to change things, that that was going to change the way that fans were viewed as an, as how they can impact not just the Columbus crew, but soccer in, in the city yeah. and soccer in basically the nation. And it did. And I met him after that, and in that, that meeting I had after that, I walked away from that meeting and I immediately told a bunch of people that this guy is, for lack of, I'm not going to say what I said, he's a liar. Yeah. He's not someone who is honest, he is two-faced, and he will say whatever he needs to say to make to get the deal done. I said that, and it's, it, in the last 24 hours, I cannot tell you how many people have texted me or called me or or sent me messages saying, hey, you were right. And I don't want that to come across as being smug. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, damn it. Well, the, the, we, the thing we is, said you it met him. Then. I mean, you know, you, you've talked with him. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people have. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are coming to that realization now, looking back on it. They're, they're thinking the same thing. Yeah. They wanted to believe what he was saying, but right. that's what he does. Yeah. And, and, and it was about cornering, a, a, developing a, a market, a market which is based in millennia, that millennial consumer that has been identified not by him, but yeah. by MLS. MLS has, has identified the millennial as their bread and butter. This is where they're going to make it or break it, soccer in the United States. Yeah. And it's the same thing that you're talking about with Portland. Like everyone looks at that and says like, oh, there's, there's this young energy in Portland. Yeah. completely just almost eagerly dismissing 40 years of culture yeah. of ingraining a soccer team and a sport into 
fabric of a city. Columbus does not have that. It did not have that. And, you know, basically, uh, you know, a lot of people look back, and I can't tell you the amount of people who have made fun of or crit uh, been critical of um, people who take it seriously. That's the kind of the, yeah. the little joke that people tell a lot about fans who, um, well, for instance, want to have banners that, that are critical of a mm -hmm. team or want to express themselves in ways that are critical of the way that a team is run or plays on the field or, or wants to have expressions of, say, of things other than, like, say, smoke in the stands yeah. or things like that. They make fun of that and they say that you're taking it too seriously. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason why people want to do that. It's because it matters to some people. And if you can build that in a city, then it makes it so much harder to do what happened today. Yeah. It makes That's it almost impossible. Point. When you think about what happens and look back at England when MK Dons left. left oh my um, gosh, that example's come up like a thousand times today. So. Has it? Yeah, just, I, because it's the one example. Yeah, you know? and they didn't, and basically they moved like 13 miles. <laughs> and But MK Dons became um, anathema to anything that's considered to be real about soccer in the United, in the United Kingdom. Yeah, but it's, it's, business, it's business is normal. And, it's the yeah. way that things go here. Yeah. And no one will stand, people will stand up now and they'll be like, oh, you know, I was lied to. Oh, I was hurt. The same people who are doing that, who are mad about this, are the people who made this happen, who allowed this to happen, who sat back and said, anyone who takes a, critic, a critical approach to, to what's coming down the pike is, um, well, throw out any kind of name that you want to throw out. Um, and uh, uh, Paranoid is, was one of the things that I yeah. heard. Uh, one of the one of the more vocal Twitter personalities in the crew world was constantly labeled as being paranoid. And today I mentioned I talked to him and I was like, I feel bad for him. Yeah. And I feel bad for some of the people who've been around since nineteen ninety six. I'm one of the people who's been around yeah. since nineteen ninety six. It's heartbreaking. I mean it, it, it is. I like and so I feel kind of I feel there's kind mixed of weird. emotions. Yeah. It, it, like I don't I feel sad for those people. But on the other hand you're getting what you deserve. I mean, you really are getting what you deserve. You, these people... They went, they went along... They, they, they took the ride. Yeah. That he... You know, yes. everything that he was selling... Um, so I don't really feel bad. I don't really feel great. <laughs> no. Well, there, because there is... I feel kind of... His, the history was made there. It, there was a connection to the community. And, you know, I've, I've been here almost half the life of the crew, but it's, it's certainly not since 96. But... Um, you know, looking back now that they're leaving, we'll, we'll go ahead and say that they're leaving, you know, because that's that's what's yeah. happening. I can't imagine that they're not. The, the city of Columbus will never get Precourt what he wants. The only way that it won't happen is if, if Austin, sort of like what they're doing right now, is like, what? Right. You know? <laughs> okay, so that that's interesting to me, because he clearly wants to go. Yeah. I mean, you don't put into a contract that you want. Yeah. I'm staying. Unless this one person, yeah, you know, it's kind of like the, like the scene, the, the episode of Friends where like, they're saying, okay, we're, you know, like we're exclusive with each other yeah. as a couple, but what if you meet somebody like yeah. you get the one like, and <coughs> someone was Isabella Rosalini, yeah. so like, 
Austin, Texas is Anthony Freecourt's Isabella Rossellini. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard not to use the relationship example in this situation, too, because, um, you know, he has been dating Columbus, and but there, there, there always was this one that he wanted to be with. Right. And I threw this out there this morning, and I probably shouldn't have, but I think what's there's a couple things that sort of hasten what's happened. He was really upset about the United States men's national team losing. That's very clear with a couple of tweets that he made. Because that's a lot of money out of these guys' pocket. That yeah. The fact that yeah. the team didn't make it. And if you're looking at Google Trends or you're looking at, at traffic and stuff like that, the only spike major league gets soccer ever gets, ever. And we're going back to 2002 and 2004 when Google started tracking the metrics, was the World Cup. And... Yeah. Other than that, it's it's a flat line. You know, when the World Cup comes around, oh, there's there's the spike for Major League Soccer. So it's almost like the national team is the most important. It's team it's in, hugely in the important, and that's why they brought the players back last cycle. Right. They, I mean, it was the biggest investment MLS has ever made, not in, in any player, any player. I mean, any group of players outside of Argentinians that they keep bringing in. <laughs> but oh yeah, it was like six. What is Bradley getting paid six point five million a yeah, year? Yeah, plus the transfer fees. And, right. I mean, they had to overpay to bring him back and Josie and Bedoya and, and even Adu. Bedoya, oh my God! Yeah, it ruined the careers. Mix, yeah. mix, you know, they screwed. All these players, there's tons of them. They brought yeah. them all back. Yeah, they spent millions of dollars because of the World Cup, <laughs> and they they got here. And you know, we talked about it earlier. What happens that? The edge is gone. All that's gone, and you 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 find yourself four years later losing in Trinidad <laughs> with no effort whatsoever. But anyway, <laughs> but that's beside the point. The uh, as your eyes kind of like, oh. yeah, I, I completely got lost on my, <laughs> my train of thought on that. But it it is a flat line outside of the World Cup, and so they, I think it it moved forward his timeline. I think in his mind, but what ended up happening, and this is important for anybody listening to this show, um, is it wasn't, people are saying that he had this plan all along, and it's very possible, because we talked about it when he bought the team, it, it right. was very evident very early on that he wasn't moving here, you remember the thing with his daughters, uh, didn't yeah. like the color of the team, right. and he had to clarify the comments, and all, you know, mm -hmm. he was never here, mm -hmm. so it's evident, you know, if the opportunity arose, he's moving the team, but... It's important for people to remember, and it, this is going to be buried in history, that it, this what happened today wasn't a planned event for him. It wasn't. He wasn't here. Berhalter didn't know. The, the players God, didn't so know. Weird. Nobody knew because it was the business leaders in the community yes. that went to Grant Wall yeah. and they went to the dispatch. They found the other woman. Yeah. And they were like, we're helping him. And in our research, we find out that he's talking, that he's moving the team to Austin. Yeah. And it pissed them off. Yeah. And so they immediately went to Grant Wall, and they went to the dispatch. Yep. A-Race is actually who they went to, I think. And so this wasn't a planned event. I don't know when he was planning to do it. I would say after the playoffs, maybe. I would think so. But I people are saying, oh, he, he did this to sabotage the playoffs. He did this to make a, to, to make the stadium empty and then go see. 
Mm-hmm. And he didn't mean that at all. No. He doesn't need that. Were they at any of the games this year or last year? Nobody's there. <laughs> yes. They uh, it, They went and had their their big season ticket push. Yeah. In the last, what, month, I guess? Yeah, I think so. he wanted to keep, keep going and try to get as much as he could. Yeah. And you don't drop this kind of news in the midst of that. Yeah. Because look at what's happened. And, like... You know, you, Larry. That's such. That's that's it. That is the crux of this whole thing. It's he's like, a liar. He, yeah. What? He's deceitful. He's... Yeah. He he's been doing this, and it wasn't him who who released this. It was other people. Yeah. And when you look at what those other people were trying to do, they were trying to do something. For the I, community, they were they were oh, they they offered to buy the team. Yeah. Outright. Yeah. And he said no. So, you know, look, if I were to say right now, I would say there's no way he's staying, that the Columbus crew are staying in Columbus. There's, there's no way. way yeah. If there is the possibility that this team stays, let's just say, who in their right mind supports this team? It's too toxic. There's, it, you can't. There's, you just simply it's, cannot. It's too to- he has to sell it. And yeah. he has to get out. There's no options for him. And he's already done the rebrand. Mm-hmm. Columbus will say no to the stadium. And and they should. Yeah, they will. I mean, yeah. I was just looking at the history of stadiums, just re- refreshing, you know, uh, myself with it. And Crew Stadium was a battle to get in. Yes. And there there was there was almost like a fight between the Schottenstein Center nationwide and Crew Stadium mm-hmm. all in the late 90s. Yeah. They were all trying to cram it in here. And nationwide was such a bad deal, but... You know, NHL wanted to make that happen. That the community wanted to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And then, then Ohio State's getting upset about another protein coming in, so they have to build a shot and right. all this stuff. I think Columbus is done. And, you know, you have the Clippers as well getting what they wanted. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening, and I think he knows it's not happening, and that's why Mayor Ginther was like, "I don't, well, I don't really talk to him, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll work with him." <laughs> he is Ginther's. Um, little interview he gave on yeah. YouTube to the dispatch today is I think it's worth watching but I also think that it's complete it's there's no point to it yeah. it's basically a politician um, saying politician stuff yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I I think he, you know he was obviously caught off off guard by this yeah. and so he's got to look like you know he's not losing yeah. one of the teams well it's too late okay yeah. just you know what, the, the, the thing right now to do is to say, um, go, fine, have, have fun. Yeah, because you, well, you never, we, never contacted us. And, yeah. then, and then he comes out of the press conference and says, well, that's not really true. Yeah. Uh, pre-court, you know. Yeah. Basically he he should, he get, you know, if I'm Ginther or any, I'm like, you know what, we got the Blue Jackets, we got the Buckeyes. Yeah. And Clippers, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We don't need you. Now, if he does that, of course, people would be like, "Oh, you know, soccer's important." Like he actually right. said, his little his little interview, you know, soccer's the sport of the future. Yeah. How many years have we been hearing this? And I'm a soccer fan. <laughs> the eighties, I can tell you yeah. that. <laughs> I'm a soccer fan who remembers when I was a kid hearing that. Yeah. Um, and soccer did seem very futuristic. Yeah. And um, and now though, you know, the future's now. Um, actually, the future was probably 2010. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, when you know Donovan and Dempsey did what they did. Yeah, and um, you know I'll say I've noticed you know going back to 
the sort of interfan debate that's going on about this, I've noticed some people who are still holding on to this notion that this was a surprise. And I don't, and I agree with you that yeah. I, I don't think that Precord, obviously, Precord I, did not know that this was going to happen today. Yeah. On the other hand. He knew it was coming. Yeah. It was always, he built it into his contract, so. Right. And even before then, I remember having a conversation with supporters group leaders in 2012 at 4th Street Pub Bar, sitting in there and saying to them, HSG is going to sell this team. Yeah. And they're going to sell it to somebody, and if it's somebody from outside of the city, the team's gone. Yeah. Now, the reason why I knew that was because I had, I had friends who worked for the Columbus crew. Not for the front office, but for the actual playing players, playing yeah. staff. Like, I, I knew people from that just because I'd been around and I'm relatively... I don't burn them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the reason... I didn't. And that's the reason why I knew those people back then. Now, of course, they, they have all left and moved on to other places. But I remember back then having a conversation with somebody that was really kind of bone, like chilling to me. And it was when HSG owned the team and uh, Morzia was the coach and there was a lot of criticism of Morzia at the time and I think a lot of it was founded had, had yeah. was realistic but a lot of it was kind of just like piling on to somebody yeah. and I don't think a lot of it was fair but one of the things that I heard back then was that inside the, the team amongst the, the the staff and the players, there was a concern that um, if someone were to buy the team from outside the that or no, there was a concern that that HSG was not giving them the amount of resources that they needed to be great. Yeah, yeah, that um, was an ongoing right. Yeah, and so they were this. But they didn't have proof of it. This was just kind of a thought. And I thought that that was kind the, of like... Yeah, the general feeling that they're not spending a lot on players because they want someone to buy them low. Right. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to pick up all these big contracts. Exactly. Yeah. And so the concern then was like, if that don't happens... Fix the stadium because it's... Right. But I, remember the, I remember having a conversation with somebody, one of the, with this particular person saying, you know, the locker room's kind of crappy. Yeah. Well, the um, training ground sucks. The training grounds was a big thing that yeah. they would always talk about. You know, the training ground. The players don't like the training ground. Yeah. They don't like to practice because they're afraid. Of, yeah. Not afraid, but they're they're wary. Yeah. And you know, these were things that popped up. Now, on the other hand, there were players. They still they liked the city. They liked the fans. They liked certain aspects of Columbus. But but there was that aspect of it that was. It's, it was always for sale. Yes. <laughs> Very well put. It was always for sale. Yeah. And so that's an unsurety that was uh, that was there constantly. Well, then I remember having this conversation um, with other fans and saying, if someone from the other uh, another city buys it, the crew the crew's gone. And immediately being said, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. That, was, that was the response. And I kind of left it alone for a while. Then Precourt comes in, pops up, and whoa, he's from California. Okay, this team's moving to California. Yeah. Like, that was pretty much in my mind. That was the first thing, I mean, that you and I talked about it at the time. Yeah. And I think a lot of people talked about it on, even on the other podcasts and the other shows and on social media, that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And as time went by, um, with the rebrand and everything, I think people sincerely believed that he, they believed what he was selling. Yeah. yeah. I think it, 
and I think that it was there was a pressure to buy into that. I remember sitting across the table from him at during an interview, and um, it was made relatively clear not to be, not to, I don't know. I, it's hard to it, you, we weren't you weren't told expressly not to ask certain questions. Yeah. I'm sure you remember this, yeah. but it was kind of like mm. uh, yeah, the worst ones with the colors. You know, oh, it was terrible. Yeah, and and you know then you'd have these meetings with uh, you know season ticket holders where they say you know they basically ask people not to tweet about it, not yeah. to send. You know these things happened a lot. Yeah. Um, it's very controlled. Yeah. yeah, and it you start to see that it's basically there's management of marketing and um why why is this happening why can't we just be honest about these things why can't you challenge the owner of your team well because he could pick up and move the team yeah and so you know this is an aspect of having a or this is a um, a quality of not having a team tied to a community yeah is that is that you're not allowed to challenge the people who who run the team because they can take your team and they can go he talked about it today which it 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 should send a message not just to people in columbus i mean it should drive it home in columbus like a hammer hitting a nail it's you know he wanted to ensure basically that the club continued to exist the club okay the quote unquote continue to exist you know his property. As a property that, yeah. okay, it's still going to exist, but in another town. It, it yeah. just goes to show you that it's it's hard to find an analogy for it. Like it's a spaceship hovering above the city or something that's just going to be like yeah. Independence Day, right? The, the giant spaceship. Oh, it's, it's, it's here, and well, we blew this up, so we're just going to go over here. Mm-hmm. It, it's, 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 it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make sense. In, people want to say it's a part of American sports culture. But people like that, it, it drives me nuts because if you look at the history of some of the teams that are are cornerstones, cornerstones of leagues like the NFL and and the NHL and NBA, they were essentially independent clubs. Yes, Pittsburgh Steelers and you know the Washington. Uh, football team are we allowed to say the rest of it? I mean, <laughs> yeah we can say that it's, okay. it's a fact of nature you know the, the way they came about it theirs is a little more messy the New York Giants the cornerstones and the Cincinnati Reds the Cleveland Indians the these were the, the Denver Detroit Broncos Tigers. maybe came along but they they have a giant sign I, I saw this a couple years ago that says you know Denver Broncos football club yeah and it's been there for ages mm-hmm. and so there's an independence and there's a lot of it in the NBA because the ABA and how the almost mm-hmm. and those teams became the cornerstones of their league. And the business might be different now, and uh, revenue sharing and things like that, and they, they jump around. But those teams don't jump. No, they stay. They stay. And you, Columbus picking up and move or um, MLS picking up and moving a team like Columbus who they don't do well. Like they said, the metrics aren't good. You can go to any game. You can watch it on TV. You can see that. You know, what the heck is Matt, Matt Free? You know, um, you know <laughs> oh I get Ag- I get Acura, you know, at Heartland yeah. Bank. Okay, <laughs> I, I get it. But these aren't, you know, this isn't Barcelona we're talking about here. Right. You know, Qatar. So, yeah. So, you, you can, it doesn't pass the smell test. But as far as the league is concerned, um, 
looking at it as for what it is, and we're not talking about promotion and relegation and clubs and tying to communities, just as Major League Soccer, to remove a team like Columbus that's one of the originals, um, to be willing to do that, which is essentially a heartbeat of it, mm. of the league. You know, they're, they're ripping that out. They're, they're ripping out, I'm not saying they're the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Green Bay Packers, but they're not going to ha- ever have a chance to have a team develop into that sort of thing that becomes a cornerstone. Okay. I see where you're going. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of got, I wonder if we can back this a little bit. Yeah. So, I, I got a little carried away with what Columbus could be, but. But I, no, I, th- I think you're, you're raising some good points. But I think that we we still get caught up in the notion that the crew are an original. They are. I mean, I remember seeing original teams yeah. back then. Not all of them are around now. Some of them are gone. Um, but yeah, I just don't know if it matters. And the reason is partially going back to what we talked about earlier. The foundation of it. I mean, the foundation of the yeah of of the league. But we 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 have to keep in mind, and I know a lot of people don't like this, but it is true. This is a corporation yeah. that was built for one real reason, and that was to, to justify FIFA giving. Yeah. The World Cup to the United States. That's why the logos are bad. That's 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 why it was hastily done. Yes, it was and, to get the World Cup. And so when we talk about Hunt Sports Group, one thing, you know, Lamar Hunt really wanted to have the World Cup in the United States. Yeah. He also really wanted to make some money off of soccer. He felt that soccer could be a money making opportunity yeah. for his his family's business going forward. Um, again, soccer is the sport of the future. Yeah. And so if we look at it. You know, I can't imagine the Cincinnati Reds leaving Cincinnati. Right. I can't imagine the Columbus crew leaving Columbus. Yeah. I can't imagine MLS without without a team in Columbus. But it's a property, and that property has to go somewhere. And, you know, we could also say, you know, I back in 1989, no one could have imagined the Cleveland Browns ever leaving yeah. Cleveland. But MLS, or I'm sorry, the NFL is a largely a single entity enterprise. Yeah. It's they share revenue, they do a lot of things together. Yes, they're individually run in a lot of well, in most ways, but yeah. but they are together. They're uniform. Well they they skipped all the, the form formative years that the other leagues had to go through. Yes. So they don't have to worry about the independent voices. Right. They were like you from the very get go, there was no independent voices. Right. So you don't have the Roonies or, you know, uh, the crafts of the world or whatever like mm-hmm. that. You know, saying no, I don't like that. Everybody's on the same page. Yeah, and I think Major League Soccer thought that was the future uh, at the time. But as it turns out, even in the other leagues, and speaking of the Browns, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm uh, expert in the NFL, but uh, or Ohio football. But if you look at the teams that have come about, or changed, or relocated, or whatever, since maybe the 90s, or, or the early 2000s, uh, they haven't worked. No. They haven't. And so since the league has, um, they're moving towards more of the MLS model. MLS didn't have to worry about trying to gather all these people together of different opinions. They just did it. Yeah. And they've struggled. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Carolina Panthers, um, you, you look at... Um, 
just thinking the NFL now, the, the two teams in L.A., the Rams and, and Chargers, where they held San Diego hostage, yeah. and they moved into Home Depot yeah. Center or whatever it's called and now. No, and people really have... It's not working, though. It, it yeah. doesn't work like that. No. Yeah. But, but, they're, but they're making money on television. Because basically you can take two teams from whatever, whatever part of the country you want, and as long as they're NFL teams, people will watch it. And it's not the same for soccer. And also, I, you know, I think at Major League Soccer did something different. Major League Soccer did something where they actually replaced those original teams, those foundational teams, with teams that are actually older. Yeah. Or, if not older, have an older soccer culture in yeah. them. Again, Portland, Toronto, even. Well, Vancouver you know, has some of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, like I, I, one of the the more fascinating clubs to me in the history of North American soccer is uh, Toronto Metro Croatia. Now, Toronto Metro Croatia, I still think exists in some form. I could be wrong about yeah. that, but Toronto Metro Croatia was a a team based in Toronto that was made out of kind of Croatians. Yeah. It was very community based. Yeah. That did not encompass like when I think of Toronto, I don't think of Croatians. Yeah. Um, I think of sort of English transplants, Scottish yeah. transplants, people who, who like would probably support Liverpool if they could. Yeah. But but they're in Toronto, Canada. And Toronto the lads. <laughs> In Toronto, when it came into the league, I remember thinking to myself, this is different. This is really, really different. These guys see the sport in a completely different way yeah. than what I've been paying attention to in MLS. It reminds me more of, and this is because I like European soccer. I always have prior to this, the, the MLS, uh, my exposure to MLS. It reminded me of that. What was going on in Toronto reminded me of that. And part of that is based in the fact that there was that interest in previous teams. Yeah. Um, and in, like, indoor soccer and other things. But previous teams, including, like, Toronto Metro Croatia. Now, like, when you take a team like that, even though Toronto was born in 2006, I guess, is when they were founded, 2007, when they took yeah. the field, all that stuff, that still had a culture that went back farther than that. Yeah. Columbus just simply does not have that. It, yeah, so it just was can, plopped on it. Yeah, when you can pull that, that's why it's easy for me to think of the Colum of MLS without Columbus crew. It just is. DC United might be a little different, just because DC United was so, like essential to everything going back to 1996. Yeah, when they started, it was, yeah. Yeah, they that's, were that, the I mean, that's team. where I was. I mean, it was, yeah. Right. They, the LA Galaxy the... may be different. Yeah. I could not, it's hard for me to imagine LA without the Galaxy. Columbus Crew, no problem. Um, the New York Red Bulls, no problem. Yeah, you could I, pull them I don't. I don't think the Revs are a problem either. No, the Revs, yeah. no problem. They could change their name to the Boston Minute Minute. The, the Boston Team Minute. They could move to another city, time. you know. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't change my mind. Um, so what do you think, maybe we'll get in the meat and bones of this, and we'll put this segment at the beginning so everybody, okay. and then they, they don't have to listen to our World Cup stuff. But with Columbus, where do they go from here? I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that they're leaving in 2019. 
this didn't this wasn't supposed to come out today. It came out because the business leaders were upset. Right. Everybody was caught off guard. Poor Burhalter was out there answering questions and was like, "What?" Yeah. And Will Trapp had to come out and tweet later, "Come support us." I feel horrible. Not for World Trap, but because he should have left when you and I told him to leave. <laughs> when we were, we basically were pleading with yeah. him and Justin Miram and Ethan we'll Finley, get, leave. Maybe we'll get back into that because I, I there's some things about about the Emma what happened in Trinidad that I think are informed by the World Trap. Thing. Yeah. Okay. But we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. What were you saying? Well, I was just saying, you know. It, um, I guess the question will be, since you can pick it up and, and move it in Columbus, and I, I, I 100% agree with you, because it was plopped on Columbus, it, as, as easy as it came into Columbus, it could be taken away, which is what's happening. Mm-hmm. There were no roots. No. The Zogs. The Zogs. I remember going to see a Zogs game. Yeah. And there's no, there's no connection between the Zogs. And as much as people would like it there to be, yeah. there's just no connection between the Zogs and the Columbus crew. So there's no real soccer history here, and so it's leaving as easily as it came. So, but what's next for Columbus with soccer is do, I mean, even if it's, I mean, for me, my hope, I've seen it some today. I don't know if people are going to follow through with it. Is, and I think it'll happen, even though they're not trying. Is when MLS dictates who is a soccer town and who's not, and that's part of the problem. Yeah. That they shouldn't be dictating that. Um, does pro soccer ever? I mean, what happens to Columbus? Does it, it's it's mind boggling to think that a town is just going to lose soccer. <laughs> you know, yeah. professional soccer. It's it's not something I've ever experienced. Okay, so one, I think if the team sticks around and plays another year here, there's going to be this kind of weird groundswell. I don't even want to call it a groundswell. That dignifies it too much. It's, it's going to be basically a handful of people who are trying to promote themselves in, in different ways. And they're going to, say, save the crew. Or there's going to be some kind of weird self-promotion that's going to go into that. And whether or not that has resonance across sports interests or on radio or television or... Who knows? I mean, it, it, at this point, it really doesn't matter, because for all intents and purposes, you the Columbus Crew fans, your team just got relegated. That's yeah. relegation in MLS. It's not. It doesn't matter how well you do on the t- on the field. It doesn't matter how well you're. You're not selling tickets and corporate sponsorships. You're done. Yep, you're done. And yeah. it's it's completely at the whim of people who have money and influence and power. Tickets, sponsorships, and your owner happens to have affinity for a, a, some random other place. A random team that's determined. That's well, it's funny because they're not even on any lists, you know, from Major League Soccer. No. And that but, just, but you know. Let's get back to, like, before we lose Like, like the 12 like, cities, like Nashville and all these places. It's yeah. like, and now Don Garber's having to make a statement like, oh, yeah, yeah, Whatever yeah. he wants. He's young, you know, Precourt's young. Well, he has money, so he can do what he wants. Yeah. yeah. He's got a big hunk of the league he's yeah. one of the investors in the league he's an investor it, and on the expansion committee so I, I think what's what's so what's going to happen is that there's going to be a year or so of just this i, I imagine I it like I, I imagine like you know like weeds and stuff growing up in the field and you know 
<laughs> like you're going to an old amphitheater or something and it's just all overgrown and stuff. Honestly, I hope that's what happens. I, that's I, what I, I imagine. I, I really hope... Listen, listen, if people are listening to this, I don't know if they are. I hope they are. <laughs> really, don't spend any time and effort on this crap. Don't. No. Don't, don't support these... I hear this all the time. It drives me crazy. Well, we got to support the players. The players. Are you, the are players, you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding? Look, these are these players are just as much a part of that organization as anyone else, and by 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 coddling them or by saying like we don't blame you for yeah. this, or, or saying you're not part of it, it's like saying. Well, that, it gives like, you will trap. It, it gives does. it gives you will will trap. You coddle the guy. You say, if there was any. Sort of pressure on Will Trapp a few years ago. Uh-huh. He would have gone. If yep. there was any pressure on, on Justin Miram or yep. anything like that, they would have gone. The best thing for these players leave. would be to leave. Yeah. Would be to go someplace else, play, struggle. Struggle someplace else. Yeah. Realize that we're not going to, no, we're not going to support you if you're you're leaving. Why? Why do this? And it, and I, I, I know that that's what's going to happen in some regards. Like there's gonna be well we gotta support the team boy we're gonna go out and really win the champ win the cup this year are you kidding me yeah. like it blows my mind that there's actually people who are who are still looking forward to the playoffs this yeah. year that should tell you something yeah. you know the fact that you're thinking well I want my team to win the win the MLS Cup you want your team to win the the championship to be the best team in a league that just ripped your quote unquote club yeah. away from you. Yeah. Are you joking? Yeah. I mean, to me, and that's... And well, the players should see that, too, and I think they do. You know, I hope that they do. Their lives are being turned upside down. I really hope that they do. I, I, I feel, though... I, well, not for the players that have been around a little yeah. bit, but I, I, I do think for some of the players that... that you know, Will Trapp is the, the shining example here, but even some of the other MLS long-timers or some of the younger players like Hanson and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think they envision themselves for a few years. Yeah. But it, they're just like fans. I mean, it, people think they're tied to the community and fighting for the community. I think they're fighting for the fans when they're there. But, you know, they're their own corporations. They're their own yep. little corporations. They're responsible for themselves. Mm-hmm. And when something like this happens, they, they should, you know, they don't look at it as I'm doing this for the city. I'm, they're they're doing it for their next contract. Yeah, it's well, you know, they're competing. They're yeah. competing on the field for uh, many different reasons. I mean, obviously, contract is a you know you got to get paid, right? Yeah. They got to. Yeah, you, you have better. a handful of years to do this. You you have to get yes. paid. Yeah. And to you know, we're going to get into this. I hope a, a little bit, but when you have a, a we're. A year out of from what the last collective bargaining agreement, yeah. where they just capitulated, yeah. they just rolled over and said, yeah, and Hermano was like, "Play ball or something like that." Yeah. Like, I'm done with. We don't want to do anything. We're not actually going to strike. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, they continue to miss these opportunities to to improve their current situation, and they do it based on the fact that they feel that it could go away, as though that's not something that. That everyone faces, yeah. you know, uh, you know, they, they, they continually do this, and then what they do is even worse, which is kind of like what happened with the Ethan Finley situation when he um, renegotiated his own contract with the crew, 
um, even though he was clearly not the best player on the, on the team. And the crew gladly renegotiated his contract. And then the best player on the team, Kai Kamara, says, well, I want to do what yeah. he did. Mm-hmm. I should be able to do what he yeah. did. And he's thrown, he's uh, portrayed as the villain, yeah. as a someone who hates not just not just um, the Columbus crew, but the fans. Yeah. And, and even though he was and he's called... He's a carpetbagger, you know. Yeah, he's just a scumbag, apparently, yeah. even though he was literally, like six months prior to that name, the humanitarian of the year yeah. in the league. He's now a scumbag, and his, his family are, is being harassed at the stadium. Yeah. You know, and then Ethan Finley is... Meanwhile, yeah. the, the representative of the, the no, players. No, it's cool for Ethan Finley. It's not cool for... Kamara, Adoro, and Mendoza no, to do this. Not good for I mean, them. It's almost like there's a string of players. Yeah, you know? not good for them. Yeah. But then Ethan Finley well, is cool. thrown out as somebody. He, he is the representative of these players. He yeah. is the union representative. Yeah. And he goes out and makes volunteers a statement that is to this day one of the most angering things that I have heard regarding soccer in the United States. Where he had the guts to make a statement saying that youth soccer clubs are shaking down yeah. players right. yeah. for for money yeah. that they are owed. Now, MLS gets away with this crap over and over and over again. They don't pay um, the money that they owe for to, to these independent clubs, these youth clubs, for developing players. They keep the money. They keep it. Yeah. They're, they're basically taking money that is not theirs. There's a word for that. It's called theft. Yeah. And that's what they do. And, and it's no funny one, because they talk about it like it's regulated, but they just yeah. do it. And, and the it was with Stoke and Cameron, was it was it that was recently? Um and I think it was Tottenham and um and who did Yedlin. they sign? Yedlin. And Tottenham was like, who do we give the money to? Yeah. Yes. Like literally in the letter, they, they want to pay the right person. And right. to Tottenham, it's it's a rounding error, whatever it was, mm-hmm. a million dollars. Or... Plus, like those teams realize the value of it. Yeah, they realize that you must pay these these academies this money because that's where you're getting players. Yeah, it, you don't you're not developing your own players. Yeah, you're developing good players that you can sell to other yeah. places, and then so you can buy players from other places. And so that there's there's a I don't want to call it a community because it's really not. It's pretty bloodthirsty. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're they're not... Yeah, it's not perfect. No. Yeah. No one's out there doing things for, like, the benefit of everybody. Yeah. They're doing it to benefit themselves, but they also respect that there is effort that's being put forth. Yeah. This does not exist in the United States. No. And and when you And have, it's not regulated. I mean, it's, it's, no. it's, it's basically Major League Soccer saying, no, you, you can't pay kids under a certain age, so we get the money. Yeah. Or... You know, or it is Tottenham, you know, saying, um, we're not sure who to pay. Mm-hmm. And it's basically Major League Soccer going, oh, that's that's us over here. Yeah, we'll take that. That'll be ours. Yeah. And and so what happens is you have a union representative come out and say something heinous and horrible about some about a, a youth, independent youth club, and the fans do nothing. The fans, in fact, they cheer for that player. Yeah. They say, they write, they make banners for him. They, they come up with, because he is now a good guy in the face of the franchise, in the face, in the, in the eyes of the franchise, in the eyes of the league, he's one of theirs. Meanwhile, you have a player like Kai Kamara who understands 
I only have a few hours, a few years to do this. I got to support my family for the rest of my life. I want to yeah. buy a house in your in the city and live here for the rest of my life. So I need to stand up for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he becomes the bad guy. Time, so, yeah. yeah, and and so this what you're supporting when you go out there and you say, well, we got to support these players. Really know what you're supporting. Yeah. Are you supporting somebody who's like who's out there trying to do the best for you? Trying to do the best for not just not you. That's the wrong way to say. The, well, for it, the it, benefit of the this entire program yeah. project that we're all in some ways uh, involved in, or are you out there uh, cheering for the 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 bank manager yeah. <laughs> who's who's just there to take your money and doesn't really care if if you're able to pay your pay your bills. Yeah. You know. What are you doing? I feel like that's what's going to happen. Now, to the long way to answer your question, because of that, because I think that's what's happening, what I would like to see is a NPSL team pop up in Columbus. Yeah. I would like to see a... a, a Something team, will have to fill the void. I yeah, think. a team like Detroit City or AFC Cleveland. Not USL, NPSL, even lower on the pyramid. Something that where we start... Finally, we start after 21 years, 22 years, we start building a real soccer culture, not a culture that will sell itself to the first um, well, the, the first insurance company from Spain that comes and, and, <laughs> and throws a bunch of money at right. it. And then rename a stadium. That, you yeah. know. And then put red on your stadium that, yeah. you know, where red was, was seen as... No, no. You're being too critical here. Yeah. Not allowed Why to do are you that. so upset about red? Not allowed to Why? do that, am I? <laughs> you know, there was another thing that they were talking Someone brought up the TV deal. There was a yeah. really good thread about, like, of course we saw this coming back in 2013. We yeah. talked about it. Nate Beckman, the yeah. legendary, you know, did the survey and they yep. got so upset about it. Yep. Yeah. Not allowed to talk about that. In fact, I well, remember, he pretty much, yeah. I remember having a conversation with somebody um, who, oh, I can't believe I just thought of this. There, this is a this is an amazing conversation that happened. This is ex this exemplifies this franchise. It was legitimately easier to watch this team on an island in the in the Caribbean yeah. for a, for a year and a half than it was to watch it when I was living um, less, uh, maybe three miles from the stadium. Yeah, it was easier for, to do that. Now. That's not building a soccer culture. Yeah. And that's, so, you know, that's the answer to your question, in my opinion. Get a sm smaller club. Put it in Columbus. You could actually put it in the shadow of Crew Stadium, yeah. where it is. There's, um, there's high schools around there, high school fields where yeah. you could play. When I went to go see AFC Cleveland win the NPSL National Championship last, not last summer, but the summer before last, mm -hmm. They were playing at a high school stadium. Yeah. It was packed. It was one of the best soccer atmospheres I've been in um, in a long time. Yeah. It vastly was, it, it seemed much, much more meaningful than any crew game I had ever been to. Not, maybe without, I'm, I'm not talking like any regular season crew yeah. game. And, and I think that's there's value there. Now I don't think Cleveland is going to get an MLS team in the next five years. 
but they're they have something there. Yeah. And I wish we had that. Columbus needs to have that. Yeah. Um, well, I so think that's it would, what any, I anybody that moves in, yeah, I, I think the void is there. As, as long as they come in genuinely and not looking um, like MLS didn't land in Donovan, like, oh, the NFL's gone. So in San Diego, we should jump right in there. I mean, that's disingenuous. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you don't want somebody thinking, well, MLS is gone. So let's jump in there. You're like the NASL or something like that. Yeah. Or USL saying, oh, we're, we're jumping right in there. I have a feeling <laughs> that maybe somebody like the Pittsburgh Riverhounds will be like, okay, we'll be Columbus Riverhounds. <laughs> um, which would be I awful. could see that. Yeah. yeah that, It'd be terrible because that's be not, it, I don't, it, it's the wrong path, I think. I think it is a unique opportunity, especially with some of the some of the uh, uh, different things, uh, the forces at work, um, and some of the lower levels. That uh, you know that there could be some positive change and something on the horizon that's a little bit better than what it is now, and something different than the USL and certainly the NASL, because um, it's just this uncertainty with with what's going on there. Mm -hmm. And well, you want something that is genuine, like AFC Cleveland, mm -hmm. um, and having building a soccer culture full of people that are that are are fans of the sport with with uh, matches that are meaningful, even if they're just regional, like AFC Cleveland. Um, playing Detroit, you know, going up there, Michigan Bucks or whatever it is. Can I just say to you, <laughs> you notice? I don't know if you've noticed this. But there has been a real, uh, I, it's, it's just uh, this sort of antagonism toward Detroit City yeah. amongst, not, not amongst the owners and MLS, not amongst the people who work for MLS, but amongst the fans of yeah. MLS and USL, a real antagonism towards Detroit City. That I just think is gross. I, I, I mean, you have. This is a really, really, really bright example of a team that is supported by its. By a club that is supported by its, its community, fan base. and it, it has an identity that is is it's woven into the community there. Mm -hmm. It's it's where Detroit is right now. They're not putting hard yes. hats on the guys, you know, because it's Detroit. It's, yeah. It's actual people from Detroit. Mm -hmm. It's young people. There's that, no artifice there. No. And like it like it or not, like them or not, whether they're millennials that, you know, are acting out with too much smoke or whatever, mm -hmm. that is Detroit. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny to see, you know, other Major League Soccer teams think, well, we want that too. Well, your city's not them. No. You, Detroit not is such a unique place yeah why why do you want to try to be them you know be your own thing and and to see that i i don't know if it's jealousy i don't know what it is but to see them as just attacked um the way that they are is and i'm not talking about the the, the team i'm talking about the other the fans attacking them and then the almost it's almost like it's just immaturity. It's it's an immature saying, uh, 
approach to this where you, you attack, they are attacked, they defend themselves by saying, this is the way we do it, yeah. we like it here, we don't care about you. Yeah. And then the immaturity the thing, of people to like say... European style, like what, what those no. people hate. They're yeah. their own thing. It's, it's crazy. It's like... It doesn't make sense. Upset them like, that why is... Right. Yeah. It's like, what difference does it make? It's like they're upset them that they're not... That they're not upset. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And to me, that just reeks of immaturity on so many different levels. And that is just kind of essential to what goes on in Major League Soccer. Um, how are you supposed to build franchise or clubs? <laughs> how are you supposed to build clubs when that's your mindset? Yeah. When you're jealous of an NPSL team, a semi-pro team that doesn't yeah. pay its players because of the stupid arcane yeah, rules, rules. Yeah. Um, you know how how are you supposed to build something, and is it really that much of a stretch to look at that and see that jealousy, and then wonder why the national team performs so poorly? Yeah. Is it really? I again, like you know, I said earlier. It's constantly hitting us in the face. This is why single entity doesn't work. Yeah. This is why you... Look, I'm not a big on the promotion relegation thing. I think that's a secondary thing. I think once you destroy single en single entity, once it's dissolved, promotion relegation will probably happen. Well, so it's, the, it's the only way you make it all-inclusive and you organize independent mm -hmm. community-based teams. How else are you supposed to do yeah. that? And the, one of the arguments is... like. You know, MLS has created 22 teams, but the goal, I guess, we're hearing now, 28 teams. Yeah. Uh, where are you going to get 28 teams if you have a promotion relegation? Are you kidding me? Like, look around. Yeah. You could, there, there is no reason why there's not six cl clubs in New York City. Yeah. Why there's not six clubs in Los Angeles. Why there's not two in Chicago. They would pop there's in. There's no yeah. reason why there's not, except for one reason. And that is the structure of USSF, United States Soccer Federation, and MLS and SUM. It, it's there is all kinds of shady stuff going on between yeah. those three groups, and you know, I think you and I both agree. We've talked about this that MLS is very much like a pyramid scheme the way yeah. that it's structured. I think we are seeing an example of that today with um, this team moving. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's eliminating the lower 10%. So, you, mm -hmm. you know, any anything that's single entity, you get rid of the, the bottom performers and put them in a position where they're making more money. Right. It's just business. Yeah. But it... And I, I, I saw people saying that today, was it, taking the business aspect. Man, it really sucks for Columbus, but, you know, it's a it's business. business. <laughs> And yeah, and like it's, that's true. That's the most frustrating thing true. about it. Yep, that's the most. They're frustrating, exactly but right. But that's what that's what Major League Soccer and the single entity brings. Mm -hmm. If it could happen to Columbus, who was first club in MLS, it can happen to any team. Yeah, and which is what I you know you go back to. That's why the Cleveland Browns moved. Yeah, it's the whole the whole reason why that like our model was pressured, pressured, pressured to say whatever they come back to you with. You we you gotta leave yeah. because it's not good enough. Yeah. And he was right; it wasn't good enough. And you couldn't go back because nothing would be good enough. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. well, you can't go back. It's, it's right. too toxic. The pre-court too in his situation, he's created a situation. He's created in a, a, a such a toxic 
uh, environment, he can't go back now. He can't say next year, say, uh, I know you guys didn't give me a stadium downtown, but you know, I'm going to stick around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. <laughs> so one of the things that I've often heard, too, is, you know, it's one of these sort of Zen Buddhist things, I guess, is, you know, that forgiveness is divine. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. You know, it's good to forgive people, but you do not forget what they do to you. Yeah. And I, I have a real feeling that what's about to happen is he's going to try something like that. There's going to be kind of a play to that. Like Austin just might not want him. They might not want him. Yeah. And then what happens? And imagine if there's a lawsuit about this. I mean, we haven't even thought, talked about that. Yeah. There, legitimately, if in the contract is there is a, a clause that says that he can go to Austin. What happens if Austin doesn't want him, but he still wants to leave? Maybe he wants to go to Sacramento, yeah. closer to home. Maybe he wants to go to San Francisco, which I think, to be quite honest, would be awesome. Yeah. There's an NASL team there that's struggling, I guess. Yeah. Um, what happens? Is there a lawsuit then? Do people in Columbus hire a, a lawyer and file a, file a, a yeah. lawsuit? It's happened before. Like, why can't it yeah. happen again? And and does he really want to fight that fight? Uh, you know, there's sometimes that you just have to. Sells it. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think there's some times where you just like this is a really great example. Tell him to get bent. Yeah. <laughs> like really, just go. Get lost. Yeah, we yeah. don't need you. Yeah. And and start from scratch. Build a new, start a new low level team. Start a rivalry with Detroit FC. Yeah. We can do it. It'd be amazing. How much It'd fun be really would that fun. be? Yeah. You, call, you could even call yourself the you know, Columbus. You know. The Columbus Christophers. <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine? I was going to say Tecumseh FC. <laughs> yeah, Tecumseh. You know yeah. why? Why not Tecumseh FC? Let's. I. Okay, so here's some inside baseball too. Like, maybe it's inside soccer. Um, years and years ago, so I had a. I still do work with a, a local soccer academy, that I'm very proud of, and years and years ago I was talking to. I'm not going to talk who I, I'm going to say who I was talking to, but I was talking to some people who had some influence yeah. in the history of the crew and as well as in what we were doing. And I brought up this fact. This was 2012. And I brought up this fact, or this idea, that you know what you should do? If you have money, don't worry about investing in the Columbus crew. Don't worry about investing in MLS or trying to, you know, do what Anthony Precourt did. Start your own club in Columbus, Ohio. Start a low soccer club. I actually looked into this. What would it take to start a, a women's uh, club? Um, I don't know, were you around when we, when we were doing this? Like, we were actually looking to see what it would cost. There was insurance costs that were, uh -huh. like, onerous, right? You had to have, like, a million-dollar insurance policy. It was something ridiculous. Uh, well, you know, it was, there's actually a real good reason for it. But one of the reasons why we were talking about this was, was because of what's happening today. If what I feared was going to happen, which is that the crew were going to leave, yeah. they could be left. They could grab, go and fly like the, Indian, like the Baltimore Colts did. You know? yeah. um, they could do that overnight, and then you'd be left without a team. What do you have then? And what I was recommending to some people who are no longer around for very good reason, um, 
they've moved on to better things. You know, I was, I was recommending to them start a club, a real soccer club in Columbus, Ohio. You are now ready for side two. You are now ready for side two.